Chapter Two of Child of Storm. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elsie Selwyn. Child of Storm by H. Ryder Haggard. Chapter Two: The Moonshine of Zikali. On the following morning, I awoke as a good hunter always should do, just at that time when, on looking out of the wagon nothing could be seen but a little grey glint of light which he knows is reflected from the horns of the cattle tied to the truck-toe presently however i saw another glint of light which i guessed came from the spear of seduco who was seated by the ashes of the cooking-fire wrapped in his carosse of wildcat skins slipping from the vorkisse or driving-box i came behind him softly and touched him on the shoulder he leapt up with a start which revealed his nervous nature then recognizing me through the soft gray gloom said you are early makumazan of course i answered am i not named watcher by night now let us go to umbezi and tell him that i shall be ready to start our hunting trip on the third morning from today. so we went to find that umbezi was in a hut with his last wife and asleep fortunately enough however as under the circumstances i did not wish to disturb him outside the hut we found the old cow whose sore ear had kept her very wide awake who for purposes of her own although etiquette did not allow her to enter the hut was waiting for her husband to emerge having examined her wound and rubbed some ointment on it with her i left my message next i woke up my servant scowl and told him that i was going on a short journey and that he must guard all things until my return and while i did so took a nip of raw rum and made ready a bag of biltong that is sun-dried flesh and biscuits then taking with me a single-barreled gun that same little purdy rifle with which i shot the vultures on the hill of slaughter at dingon's kraal the shooting of the vultures by alan quatermain see the book called marie and footnote we started on foot for i would not risk my only horse on such a journey a rough journey it proved to be indeed over a series of bush-clad hills that at their crests were covered with rugged stones among which no horse could have travelled up and down these hills we went and across the valleys that divided them following some path which i could not see for all that livelong day i have always been a held a good walker being by nature very light and active but i am bound to say that my companion taxed my powers to the utmost for on he marched for hour after hour striding ahead of me at such a rate that at times i was forced to break into a run to keep up with him although my pride would not suffer me to complain since as a matter of principle i would never admit to a coffer that he was my master at anything glad enough was i when towards evening saduku sat himself down on a stone at the top of the hill and said behold the black kloof makumazan which were also the first words that he had uttered since we started truly the spot was well named for there cut out by the water from the heart of a mountain in some primeval age lay one of the most gloomy places that ever i had beheld it was a vast cleft in which granite boulders were piled up fantastically perched one upon another in great columns and upon its sides grew dark trees set sparsely among the rocks it faced towards the west but the light of the sinking sun that flowed up it served only to accentuate its vast loneliness for it was a big cleft the best part of a mile wide at its mouth up this dreary gorge we marched mocked at by chattering baboons and following a little path not a foot wide that led us at length to a large hut and several smaller ones set within a reed fence and overhung by a gigantic mass of rock that looked as though it might fall at any moment at the gate of the fence two natives of i know not what tribe men of fierce and forbidding appearance suddenly sprang out and thrust their spears toward my breast whom bring you here saduku 
asked one of them sternly. A white man that I vouch for, he answered. Tell Zikali that we wait on him. What need to tell Zikali that which he already knows, said the sentry. Your food and that of your companion is already cooked in yonder hut. Enter Seduko with him for whom you vouch. So we went into the hut and ate. Also I washed myself, for it was a beautifully clean hut, and the stools, wooden bowls, etc. were finely carved out of red ivory wood, this work, Seduko informed me, being done by Zikali's own hand. Just as we were finishing our meal, a messenger came to tell us that Zikali waited our presence. We followed him across an open space to a kind of door in the tall reed fence, passing which I set eyes for the first time upon the famous old witch-doctor of whom so many tales were told. Certainly he was a curious sight in those strange surroundings, for they were very strange, and I think their complete simplicity added to the effect. In front of us was a kind of courtyard with a black floor made of polished ant-heap earth and cow-dung, two-thirds of which, at least, were practically roofed in by the huge overhanging mass of rock whereof I have spoken, its arch bending above at a height of not less than sixty or seventy feet from the ground. Into this great precipice-backed cavity poured the fierce light of the setting sun, turning it and all within it, even the large straw hut in the background, to the deep hue of blood. Seeing the wonderful effect of the sunset in that dark and forbidding place, it occurred to me at once that the old wizard must have chosen this moment to receive us because of its impressiveness. Then I forgot these scenic accessories in the sight of the man himself. There he sat on a stool in front of his hut, quite unattended, and wearing only a cloak of leopard-skins, open in front, for he was unadorned, with the usual hideous trappings of a witch-doctor, such as snake-skins, human bones, bladders, full of unholy compounds, and so forth. What a man he was, if indeed he could be called quite human. His stature, though stout, was only that of a child. His head was enormous, and from it plaited white hair fell down to his shoulders. His eyes were deep sunken, his face was broad and very stern. Except for this snow-white hair, however, he did not look ancient, for his flesh was firm and plump, and the skin on his cheeks and neck unwrinkled, which suggested to me that the story of his great antiquity was false. A man who was over a hundred years old, for instance, surely could not boast such a beautiful set of teeth, for even at that distance I could see them gleaming. On the other hand, evidently middle age was far behind him. Indeed, from his appearance it was quite impossible to guess even approximately the number of his years. There he sat, red in the red light, perfectly still and staring without a blink of his eyes at the furious ball of the setting sun, as an eagle is said to be able to do. Saduko advanced, and I walked after him. My stature is not great, and I have never considered myself an imposing person, but somehow I do not think that I have ever felt more insignificant than on this occasion. The tall and splendid native beside, or rather behind whom I walked, the gloomy magnificence of the place, the blood-red light in which it was bathed, and the solemn, solitary little figure with wisdom stamped upon its face before me, all tended to induce humility in a man not naturally vain. I felt myself growing smaller and smaller, both in a moral and a physical sense. I wished that my curiosity had not prompted me to seek an interview with yonder uncanny being. While it was too late to retreat, indeed, Saduku was already standing before the dwarf and lifting his right arm above his head as he gave him the salute of Makozi. Footnote. Makozi, the plural of Inkozi, is the salute given to Zulu wizards, because they are not one but many since in them, as in the possessed demoniac in the Bible, dwell an unnumbered horde of spirits. End footnote. 
whereon feeling that something was expected of me i took off my shabby cloth hat and bowed then remembering my white man's pride replaced it on my head the wizard suddenly seemed to become aware of our presence for ceasing his contemplation of the sinking sun he scanned us both with his slow thoughtful eyes which somehow reminded me of those of a chameleon although they were not prominent but as i have said sunken greetings son seduco he said in a deep rumbling voice why are you back here so soon and why did you bring this flea of a white man with you now this was more than i could bear so without waiting for my companion's answer i broke in you give me a poor name ozikali what would you think of me if i called you a beetle of a wizard i should think you clever he answered after reflection for after all i must look something like a beetle with a white head but why should you mind being compared to a flea a flea works by night and so do you makumazan a flea is active and so are you a flea is very hard to catch and kill and so are you and lastly a flea drinks its fill of that which it desires the blood of man and beast and so you have done do and will makumazan and he broke into a great laugh that rolled and echoed about the rocky roof above once long years before i had heard that laugh when i was a prisoner in dingan's kraal after the massacre of Ritef and his company and i recognized it again while i was searching for some answer in the same vein and not finding it though i thought of plenty afterwards seizing of a sudden from his unseemly mirth he went on do not let us waste time in jests for it is a precious thing and there is but little of it left for any of us your business son seduco baba that is the zulu for father said seduco this white Nkosi, for as you know well enough he is a chief by nature a man of great heart and doubtless of high blood this i believe is true for i have been told that my ancestors were more or less distinguished although if this is so their talents did not lie in the direction of money-making has offered to take me up upon a shooting expedition and to give me a good gun with two mouths in payment for my services but i told him that i could not engage in any fresh venture without your leave and he has come to see whether you will grant it my father indeed answered the dwarf nodding his great head this clever white man has taken the trouble of a long walk in the sun to come here to ask me whether he may be allowed the privilege of presenting you with a weapon of great value in return for a service that any man of your years in zululand would love to give for nothing in such company son seduco before my eye-holes are hollow do you think it is your part to try to fill them up with dust nay the white man has come because he desires to see him who is named opener of roads of whom he heard a great deal when he was but a lad and to judge whether in truth he has wisdom or is but a common cheat and you have come to learn whether or not your friendship with him will be fortunate whether or no he will aid you in a certain enterprise that you have in your mind true ozikali i said that is so far as i am concerned but seduko answered nothing well went on the dwarf since i am in the mood i will try to answer both your questions for i should be a poor nyanga that is doctor if i did not when you have travelled so far to ask them moreover mo makumazana be happy for i seek no fee who having made such fortune as i need long ago before your father was born across the black water makumazan no longer work for a reward unless it be for the hand of one of the house of sanazankona and therefore as you may guess work but seldom then he clapped his hands and a servant appeared from somewhere behind the hut 
one of those fierce-looking men who had stopped us at the gate he saluted the dwarf and stood before him in silence with a bowed head make two fires said zikali and give me my medicine the man fetched wood which he built into two little piles in front of zikali these piles he fired with a brand bought from behind the hut then he handed his master a catskin bag withdraw said zikali and return no more till i summon you for i am about to prophesy if however i should seem to die bury me to-morrow in the place you know of and give this white man a safe conduct from my crawl the man saluted again and went without a word when he had done the dwarf drew from the bag a bundle of twisted roots also some pebbles from which he selected two one white and the other black into this stone he said holding up the white pebbles so that the light from the fire shone on it since save for the lingering red glow it was now growing dark into this stone i am about to draw your spirit o makumazana and into this one and he held up the black pebble yours o son of matawane why do you look frightened o brave white man who keeps saying in your heart he is nothing but an ugly old coffer cheat if i am a cheat why do you look frightened is your spirit already in your throat and does it choke you as this little stone might do if you tried to swallow it and he burst into one of his great uncanny laughs i tried to protest that i was not in the least frightened but failed for in fact i suppose my nerves were acted on by his suggestion and i did feel exactly as though that stone were in my throat only coming upwards not going downwards hysteria thought i to myself the result of being overtired and as i could not speak sat still as though i treated his jibes with silent contempt now went on the dwarf perhaps i shall seem to die and if so do not touch me lest you should really die wait till i wake up again and tell you what your spirits have told me or if i do not wake for time must come when i shall go on sleeping well for as long as i have lived after the fires are quite out not before lay your hands upon my breast and if you find me turning cold get you gone to some other ningana as fast as the spirits of this place will let you o ye who would peep into the future as he spoke he threw a big handful of the rocks that i have mentioned on to each of the fires whereon tall flames leapt up from them very unholy-looking flames which were followed by columns of dense white smoke that emitted a most powerful and choking odour quite unlike anything that i had ever smelt before it seemed to penetrate all through me and that accursed stone in my throat grew large as an apple and felt as though someone were poking it upwards with a stick next he threw the white pebble into the right-hand fire that which was opposite to me saying enter makumazan and look and the black pebble he threw into the left-hand fire saying enter son of matawane and look then come back both of you and make report to me your master now it is a fact that as he said these words i experienced a sensation as though a stone had come out of my throat so readily do our nerves deceive us that i even thought it grated against my teeth as i opened my mouth to give it passage at any rate the choking was gone only now i felt as though i were quite empty and floating on air as though i were not i in short but a mere shell of a thing all of which doubtless was caused by the stench of those burning roots still i could look and take note for i distinctly saw zikali thrust his huge head first into the smoke of what i will call my fire next into that of saduko's fire and then lean back blowing the stuff into clouds from his mouth and nostrils afterwards i saw him roll over on to his side and lie quite still with his arms outstretched indeed i noticed that one of his fingers seemed to be in the left-hand fire and reflected that it would be burnt off in this however i must have been mistaken since i observed subsequently that it was not even scorched 
thus did kali lay for a long while till i began to wonder whether he were not really dead dead enough he seemed to be for no corpse could have stayed more stirless but that night i could not keep my thoughts fixed on zikali or anything i merely noted these circumstances in a mechanical way as might one with whom they had nothing whatsoever to do they did not interest me at all for there appeared to be nothing in me to be interested as i gathered according to zikali because i was not there but in a warmer place than i hope ever to occupy namely in the stone and that unpleasant-looking little right-hand fire so matters went as they might in a dream the sun had sunk completely not even an afterglow was left the only light remaining was that from the smouldering fires which just sufficed to illuminate the bulk of zikali lying on his side his squat shape looking like that of a dead hippopotamus calf what was left of my consciousness grew heartily sick of the whole affair i was tired of being so empty at length the dwarf stirred he sat up yawned sneezed shook himself and began to rake among the burning embers of my fire with his naked hand presently he found the white stone which was now red hot at any rate it glowed as though it were and after examining it for a moment finally popped it into his mouth then he hunted into the other fire for the black stone which he treated in a similar fashion the next thing i remember was that the fires which had died away almost to nothing were burning very brightly again i suppose because someone had put fuel on them and zikali was speaking come here o makumazana and o son of matewane he said and i will repeat to you what your spirits have been telling me we drew near into the light of the fires which for some reason or other was extremely vivid then he spat the white stone from his mouth into his big hand and i saw that now it was covered with lines and patches like a bird's egg you cannot read the signs he said holding it towards me and when i shook my head went on well i can as you white men read a book all your history is written here makumazan and there is no need to tell you that since you know it as i do well enough having learned it in other days the days of dingan makumazan all your future also a very strange future and he scanned the stone with interest yes yes a wonderful life and a noble death far away but of these matters you have not asked me and therefore i may not tell them even if i wished nor would you believe me if i did it is of your hunting trip that you have asked me and my answer is that if you seek your own comfort you will do well not to go a pool in a dry river bed a buffalo bull with the tip of one horn shattered yourself and the bull in the pool said you go yonder also in the pool and a little half-bred man with a gun jumping about upon the bank then a litter made of boughs and you in it and the father of mamina walking lamely at your side then a hut and you in it and the maiden called mamina sitting at your side makumazan your spirit has written on the stone that you should beware of mamina since she is more dangerous than any buffalo if you are wise you will not go out hunting with umbezi although it is true that hunt will not cost your life there away stone and take your writings with you and as he spoke he jerked his arm and i heard something whiz past my face next he spat out the black stone and examined it in a similar fashion your expedition will be successful son of matewane he said together with makumazan you will win many cattle at the cost of sundry lives but for the rest well you did not ask me of it did you also i have told you something of that story before to-day away stone and the black pebble followed the white one out into the surrounding gloom we sat quite still until the dwarf broke the deep silence with one of his great laughs <laughs> my witchcraft is done he said a poor tale was it not well hunt for those stones to-morrow and read the rest of it if you can 
Why did you not ask me to tell you everything while I was about it, white man? It would have interested you more. But now it has all gone from me back into your spirit with the stones. Saduko, get you to sleep. Makumazan, you who are a watcher by night, come and sit with me a while in my hut, and we will talk of other things. All this business of the stones is nothing more than a copper trick, is it, Makumazan? When you meet the buffalo with a split horn in the pool of a dried river, remember it is but a cheating trick. And now, come into my hut and drink a kamba, bo, of beer, and let us talk of other things more interesting. So he took me into the hut, which was a fine one, very well lit, by a fire in its center, and gave me coffer beer to drink, that I swallowed gratefully, for my throat was dry, and still felt as though it had been scraped. "'Who are you, father?' I asked point-blank when I had taken my seat upon a low stool, with my back resting against the wall of the hut, and lit my pipe. He lifted his big head from the pile of carosses on which he was lying, and peered at me across the fire." "'My name is Zikali, which means weapons, white man. You know as much as that, don't you?' He answered, "'My father went down so long ago that he is, does not matter. I am a dwarf, very ugly, with some learning, as we at the Black House understand it, and very old. Is there anything else you would like to learn?' "'Yes, Zikali. How old?' "'There, there, Makumazan, as you know, we poor coffers cannot count very well.' How old? Well, when I was young, I came down towards the coast from the great river, you call it the Zambezi, I think, with Undawandwe, who lived in the north in those days. They have forgotten it now, because it is some time ago, and if I could write, I would set down the history of that march, for we fought some great battles with the people who used to live in this country. Afterwards, I was the friend of the father of the Zulus, he whom they still call Nkosi Umkulu, the mighty chief. You may have heard tell of him. I carved that stool on which you sit for him, and he left it back to me when he died. Nkosi Umkulu? I exclaimed. Why, they say he lived hundreds of years ago. Do they, Magumazan? If so, have I not told you that we black people cannot count as well as you do? Really, it was only the other day. Anyhow, after his death, the Zulus began to maltreat us Undawandwe, and the Kwabis and the Tetwas with us. You may remember that they called us the Amtefula, making a mock of us. So I quarreled with the Zulus, and especially with Chaka, he whom they named Alanya, the Mad One. You see, Makumazan, it pleased him to laugh at me, because I am not as other men are. He gave me a name that means the thing which should never have been born. I will not speak that name. It is a secret to me. It may not pass my lips. Yet at times he sought my wisdom, and I paid him back for his names, for I gave him very ill counsel, and he took it, and I brought him to his death, although none ever saw my finger in that business. But when he was dead at the hands of his brother Dingan in Umhalanga and of Umbopa, Umbopa, who also had a score to settle with him, and his body was cast out of the crawl like that of an evildoer. Why, I, who, because I was a dwarf, was not sent with the men against such Shangana, went and sat on it at night and laughed thus. And he broke into one of his hideous peals of merriment. I laughed thrice, once for my wives, whom he had taken, once for my children, whom he had slain, and once for the mocking name that he had given me. Then I became the counsellor of Dingan, whom I hated worse than I hated Chaka, for he was Chaka again, without his greatness, and you know the end of Dingan, for you had a share in that war, and of Um Hanglanga, his brother and fellow murderer, whom I counselled Dingan to slay. This I did through the lips of the old princess Menkavai, Jama's daughter, Sinjana Kona's sister. 
the oracle before whom all men bowed causing her to say that this land of the zulus cannot be ruled by a crimson assegai for macumazana was umhalangana who first struck chaka with the spear now panda reigns the last of the sons of senzanakona my enemy panda the fool and i hold my hand from panda because he tried to save the life of a child of mine whom chaka slew but panda has sons who are as chaka was and against them i work as i worked against those who went before them why i asked why oh if i were to tell you all my story you would understand why makumazan well perhaps i will one day here i may state that as a matter of fact he did and a very wonderful tale it is but as it has nothing to do with this history i will not write it here i dare say i answered chaka and dingan and umhalangana and the others were not nice people but another question why do you tell me all this ozikali seeing that were i but to repeat it to a talking bird you would be smelt out and a single moon would not die before you oh i should be smelt out and killed before one moon dies should i then i wonder that this has not happened during all the moons that are gone well i tell the story to you makumazan who have had so much to do with the tale of the zulu since the days of dingan because i wish that someone should know it and perhaps write it down when everything is finished because too i have just been reading your spirit and see that it is still a white spirit and that you will not whisper it to a talking bird now i leant forward and looked at him what is the end at which you aim o zikali i asked you are not one who beats the air with a stick on whom do you wish the stick to fall at last on whom he answered in a new voice a low hissing voice why on those proud zulus this little family of men who call themselves the people of heaven and swallow other tribes as the great tree snake swallows kids and small bucks and when it is fat with them cries to the world see how big i am everything is inside of me i am nidwande one of those peoples whom it pleases the zulus to call amtefula poor hangers-on who talk with an accent nothing but bush swine therefore i would seek the swine tusk the hunter or if that may not be i would see the black hunter laid low by the rhinoceros the white rhinoceros of your race makumazan yes even if it sets foot upon the nwande boar as well there i have told you and this is the reason that i live so long for i will not die until these things have come to pass as come to pass they will what did chaka sengazona's son say when the little red segai the segai with which he slew his mother i and the others some of whom were near to me was in his liver what did he say to mbopa and the princess did he not say that he heard the feet of a great white people running of a people who would stamp the zulus flat well i the thing who should not have been born live on until that day comes and when it comes i think that you and i makumazan shall not be far apart and that is why i have opened my heart to you i who have knowledge of the future there i speak no more of these things that are to be who perchance have already said too much of them yet do not forget my words or forget them if you will for i shall remind you of them makumazan when the feet of your people have avenged the nuandes and the others whom it pleases the zulus to treat as dirt now the strange man who sat up in his excitement shook his long white hair which after the fashion of wizards he wore plaited into thin ropes till it hung like a veil about him hiding his broad face and deep eyes presently he spoke again through this veil of hair saying you are wondering makumazan what saduko has to do with all these great events that are to be 
i answered that he must play his part in them not a very great part but still a part and it is for this purpose i saved him as a child from bangu dingan's man and reared him up to be a warrior although since i cannot lie i warned him that he would do well to leave spears alone and follow after wisdom well he will slay bangu who now has quarrelled with Bhanda, and a woman will come into the story one mamina and that woman will bring about war between the sons of panda and from this war shall spring the ruin of the zulus for he who wins will be an evil king to them and bring down on them the wrath of a mightier race and so the thing that should not have been born and the nwandes and the kwabis and tetwas whom it had pleased the conquering zulus to name amtefula shall be avenged yes yes my spirit tells me all these things and they are true and what of saduko my friend and your fosterling saduko your friend and my fosterling will take his appointed road makumazan as i shall and you will what more could he desire seeing it is that which he has chosen he will take his road and he will play the part which the great great has prepared for him seek not to know more why should you since time will tell you the story and now go to rest makumazan as i must who am old and feeble and when it pleases you to visit me again we will talk further meanwhile remember always that i am nothing but an old coffer cheat who pretends to a knowledge that belongs to no man remember it especially makumazan when you meet a buffalo with a split horn in the pool of a dried-up river and afterwards when a woman named mamina makes a certain offer to you which you may be tempted to accept good night to you watcher by night with the white heart and the strange destiny good night to you and try not to think too hardly of the old coffer cheat who just now is called opener of roads my servant waits without to lead you to your hut and if you wish to be back at umbezi's crawl by nightfall to-morrow you will do well to start ere sunrise since as you found in coming Saduko, although he may be a fool is a very good walker and you do not like to be left behind makumazan do you so i rose but as i went some impulse seemed to take him and he called me back and made me sit down again makumazan he said i would add a word when you are quite a lad you came into this country with retif did you not yes i answered slowly for this matter of the massacre of retif is one of which i have seldom cared to speak for sundry reasons although i have made a record of it in writing footnote published under the title of marie and footnote even my friends sir henry curtis and captain good have heard little of the part i played in that tragedy but what do you know of that business Zikali? all that there is to know i think makumazan seeing that i was at the bottom of it and that dingan killed those boars on my advice just as he killed chaka and umhulangana you cold-blooded old murderer i began but he interrupted me at once why do you throw evil names at me makumazan as i threw the stone of your fate at you just now why am i a murderer because i brought about the death of some white men that chanced to be your friends who had come here to cheat us black folk of our country was it for this reason you brought about their deaths zikali i asked staring him in the face for i felt that he was lying to me not altogether makumazan he answered letting his eyes those strange eyes that could look at the sun without blinking fall before my gaze have i not told you that i hate the house of senzanakona 
and when Retef and his companions were killed, did not the spilling of their blood mean war to the end between the Zulus and the white man? Did it not mean the death of Dingan and of thousands of his people, which is but a beginning of deaths? Now do you understand? I understand that you are a very wicked man, I answered with indignation. At least you should not say so, Makumazan. He replied in a new voice, one with the ring of truth in it. Why not? Because I saved your life on that day. You escaped alone of the white men, did you not? And you never could understand why, could you? No, I could not, Zikali. I put it down to what you call the spirits. Well, I will tell you, those spirits of yours wore my cuirass. And he laughed. I saw you with the Boers, and saw too that you were of another people, the people of the English. You may have heard at that time that I was doctoring at the great place, although I kept out of the way and we did not meet, or at least you never knew that we met, for you were asleep. Also, I pitied your youth, for although you do not believe it, I had a little bit of heart left in those days. Also, I knew that we should come together again in the after years, as you see we have done today, and shall often do until the end. So I told Dingan that whoever died, you must be spared, or he would bring up the people of George, i.e. the English, to avenge you, and your ghost would enter into him and pour out a curse upon him. He believed me, who did not understand that already so many curses were gathered about his head that one more or less made no matter. So you see, you were spared, Makumazan, and afterwards you helped to pour out a curse upon Dingan without becoming a ghost, which is the reason why Panda likes you so well today. Panda, the enemy of Dingan, his brother. You remember the woman who helped you. Well, I made her do so. How did it go with you afterwards, Makumazan, with you and the Boer maiden across the Buffalo River, to whom you were making love in those days? Never mind how it went, I replied, springing up, for the old wizard's talk had stirred sad and bitter memories in my heart. That time is dead, Zikali. Is it Makumazan? Now, from the look upon your face, I should have said that it was still very much alive, as things that happened in our youth have a way of keeping alive. But doubtless, I am mistaken, and it is as all dead as Dingan, and as Retef, and as the others, your companions. At least, although you do not believe it, I saved your life on that red day, for my own purposes, of course, not because one white life was anything among so many in my count. And now go to rest, Makumazan. Go to rest, for although your heart has been awakened by memories this evening, I promise that you shall sleep well tonight. <laughs> and throwing the long hair back off his eyes, he looked at me keenly, wagging his big head to and fro, and burst into another of his great laughs. So I went, but ah, as I went, I wept. Anyone who knew all that story would understand why. But this is not the place to tell it, that tale of my first love, and of the terrible events which befell us in the time of Dingan. Still, as I say, I have written it down, and perhaps one day it will be read. End of chapter 2